peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. We have a special guest today, Tony Blauer. I mean... His name, his introduction, I'm pretty sure we talked about it yesterday pre-show was a lot of people do know who you are and a lot of people don't know who you are. And, you know, we're going to open up the show to kind of talk about who it is you are, what it is you do and where you come from, because you've been doing martial arts for 40 plus years. You say 50 plus years. You've been teaching the spear systems now for over 30. Yeah. yeah, Spear was developed in 87. In 87. Um, I was introduced to Tony. I mean, I met Tony back in the day. I've, I've kind of followed his Spear systems. I was taught it as a reconnaissance Marine nice. uh, back going through some workup stuff for personal security detachment. I was with Alpha Company down at 1st Recon Battalion. It was really early on in my career. And we ended up getting taken over to HD SOC uh, down in Hawthorne, Nevada, and we got to do some really cool um, training missions and training sessions out there. And one of the things we, we did was hand-to-hand combat, protecting weapons, just because of the fact that you know we, we were concealed carry all the time with personal security. And what we ended up getting taught a lot of times was understanding how to control our startle or and our flinch ref, uh, reflex and mm-hmm. responses. And at that time, I didn't understand. I was a young Lance Corporal, Corporal at the time period. It's just I just want to kill bad guys and do that thing. And right. this is a way to keep you alive. And as I continue moving through my career, getting into the strength conditioning world, you were doing some work with uh, CrossFit as well. You were teaching self-defense through CrossFit. Um, that, I have a, that was insanely controversial, and we'll, we'll we we talk can talk about a little bit. Oh after. yeah, definitely. Um, and then it continued going on. And me and your son Nick, me and your son got really close. Got to start weightlifting, working together. Mm-hmm. He's doing great things now too over mm-hmm. at Deuce's Gym. Really big into movement. Love it. Um, so, Nick, shout out to you, buddy, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and then kind of continue going on through Casey. I got to come hang out with you guys over at your house while we did some recording for the Spear Systems work. Right. And, you know, that was where I got to really sit down and talk to Tony and really kind of pick his brain and dive deep into more of what he's doing. And he's only evolved since then. And that was, what, a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. And where you're at today and, and something that we're doing here at Softly is really trying to help the individual become a smarter athlete, a smarter tactical professional and understanding like, Hey, you're a human first profession second and get away from that mindset of just always having to crush ourselves. So Tony, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, man. Excited to be here. I mean, I think, I think we were talking about doing this for the last couple of years every so often. And, and, uh, here I am, I just did some seminars, uh, up in, uh, Heber city yep. and, uh, and, you know, you're in town and I was in town. We almost missed each other again. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I'm excited to be here in person. It's great. No, man, I appreciate it. So let's go ahead and dive down into a little bit of, uh, you know, your history and, and what it is you've uh, you've done to really kind of hone the system that you're teaching today. Yeah, I think with respect to, I guess, your audience and stuff, so it's not such like a, like a you know, non sequitur like who is this guy why is he here like because because the the, your whole community and it's not about the martial arts per se although that's a factor uh and i loved what you said is if if we think of ourselves as as humans first is how do we self-actualize and and that's a big fancy word for you know become the best you can be yeah and that involves emotional psychological physical well-being and understanding you know how do you get that and one of the things that we're not taught even though somebody in your family 
when you were a kid, you probably your grandmother said, always trust your gut, right? And, and we don't know how to cultivate intuition in people. And intuition is that special voice you hear in your head and your mind that says, I wouldn't do that if I were you, or what about this? And then you shut it down through either social conditioning or dissonance or, 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 uh, um, um, some kind of cognitive distortion. Yeah. Uh, peer pressure. Oh, and like, oh, like a whole bunch of factors. And I, and I, and I talk about this, like how many times in your life, George, has something gone sideways in a relationship, a mission, a fight, uh, um, uh, an individual, like a confrontation that was misread by you or your team. Uh, and then afterwards you're like, can I swear on the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, oh, phew. Oh, phew. Uh, where you go, fuck, I knew that was going to happen. Like, and it may not have been those words, but it's I fucking knew that guy was going to fuck me, or I knew that she was this, or I knew, like, how did I miss that on this reconnaissance? I, and when you peel that onion, 99% of the time there was a the black box premonition, but something in our, uh, our the way we're trained, uh, what we memorized our belief system redirected us and i was i always i always tell people you know intuition whispers in your ear and then you shut it down so it's a fascinating thing because my whole system spear system and the no fear program is built on trusting my intuition there was a moment in 1980 when one of my students got his ass kicked i was 20 he was 15 trained him for a fight his dad paid me said my son mitch is having a bully situation he knew i was into martial arts well what was i doing in the in you know in the in the 70s as a martial artist i had a a wrestling foundation i was mad about taekwondo i loved boxing i was teaching a a uh, uh kind of like immature version of mixed martial arts okay right you know just like i was blending the stuff but i was teaching it in what's called block-based training versus brain-based training. There was no Socratic why. And remember, this is like the 70s, right? So there was no MRIs. There was no myelinization of neurons. Nobody, you know, there was no deep practice. Nobody understood that stuff other than the ones who intuitively gravitated towards it. So here's my student. He gets his ass kicked. And when he's telling me, he's debriefing, and I'm 20, he says, yeah, coach, like, I'm so sorry I let you down. I go, tell me what happened. And he, he, you know, he got in an argument with a guy, and it was the first time he'd gone physical, and he grabbed this kid who had put his hands on my student, and I told him, hey, moral, ethical, legal system, we're not retroactively doing stuff. There's no, there's no sucker punching. The school's not doing anything. Your dad's training, uh, paying me to train you, blah, 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 blah. And I... Um, I go, so what happened? He said, well, he poked me, you know, and it went physical. And then I, I was so angry because it was like three months of buildup, right? Yeah. He said, I grabbed him and slammed him against a locker and said, don't you ever put your hands on me. And I'm like, yeah. Like, and then what happened? He said, he dropped me with a left hook. Huh. I'm like, I'm like, Mitch, like, why didn't you bob and weave, parry? Follow through. With, so, you know, yeah. do like, and he looks, he looks at me, George, and I know, I know this is audio, but if, for those of you listening to this could visualize, his left hand had grabbed this kid and shoved him against, and guess what? He's a 15-year-old in high school. What's in his right hand? His books. Backpack. I was going to say books. his backpack books. So could you imagine if you had to box somebody 
start a fight with somebody, but they said, George, you and I, the, you and this guy are going to fight, but hold this in your right hand and hold his shirt with your left hand and you guys go when you're ready. Well, you're going to get hit in the face first no matter what. Action's faster than reaction. The bad guy is always action, right? And yep. so this is like all this subtle... In that moment, and I love, I love revisiting the story because... I remember, and I make this joke, like the God of self-defense hit me with a lightning bolt. And I remember thinking, oh my God, we teach self-defense wrong. I knew in that moment that uh, self-defense needed to be taught from the perspective of what's the scenario, why am I doing this, what's happening next? And that became, that moment changed my path in everything. And I literally said to the guy, are those your books? He's like, yeah. I said, grab them, grab me. And we reverse engineered it. Now, I didn't know anything about startle flinch. I didn't know. But the way I grabbed him and started moving became the first intuitive understanding of the kinetic chain of the cross extensor reflex of this outside, what became outside 90 fingers splayed. Yep. And it was just like in that moment, this was counterintuitive to all martial arts self-defense training. So why did I what was the uh, was the uh, uh, oh god I've just forgot the poet's name the the, the less beaten path Robert Frost Robert right? Frost yep, yep right you know like why did I go get off the the super highway and go I'm I'm going here and and uh, you know that pivot that 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 redirect because I looked at my student. And I could have said, you asshole, what'd you compromise your hands for? Why'd you grab the yep. guy? If you're going to get in a fight, whatever. But guess what, George, in real life, God forbid your wife has to do something. She's yeah. going to have your daughter in one hand, her purse in the other hand, her keys. God forbid something happens. She's got to be able to, to you, know, you know who Alan Watts is? Yep. So Alan Watts, one of his greatest quotes is, if you can't meditate in a boiler room, you just can't meditate. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, right? We talked about it yesterday. Did we? Oh, yeah. did we? We covered that. You yeah, thought I, you brought I, that I, up, yeah. Man, I, I'm getting old. I, <laughs> I, I, just for everyone listening, I turn. If I start to repeat myself, I turn 61. So I'm starting to get uh, senile. 61 May 2nd. <laughs> so, but but what is what is the Alan Watts thing got to do with your crowd, the the Sofleet, the Sofleet group? It's everything. Yeah. Is like if you can't integrate real life into what your goals are, yeah. it just doesn't. It's not going to matter. That's that's a big piece of what we're doing here, especially today after being a company for six plus years. We're no longer just a company who writes programming, right? That's what we were when we first started. And today, what we're really trying to push is how do we integrate these small behaviors to go ahead and have a positive effect on our life? And in, in, in this conversation goes hand in hand with that, right? Because it's like, well, self-defense, understanding that, hey, you're not gonna be set up in the best situation possible to protect yourself. Right. You, like you said, my wife potentially be having my daughter in her left hand and her her uh, her baby bag on the back on the other side. How is she going to protect herself? How is she going to know how to respond in that manner with those um, with those things that she has going on before even meeting the violence that is to come? And it kind of opens the door next to you know the idea of your your fuck fear acronym, right? Right, and that and that's a really really positive thing, especially for me. Something I've really taken to heart with it is the idea of not just like facing that fear, right? But understanding it. Mm. It's something that a lot of tactical professionals, especially from the military, no one really wants to face that fear or understand that fear, you know? And for you, you talk about it and we'll go ahead and break down the fuck acronym. It's gonna be face it, understand it, control it, and know it. 
And I think that's the problem there is, well, some people avoid the facing it, which then lacks the understanding of it. Well, now we can't control it. And then how are we supposed to know it? So it's kind of a way I look at it is like, let's go ahead and befriend that fear and actually understand what it is so it works towards us. Right. So we can go ahead and navigate it and be control of it. You know, when, when did you actually come um, to the thought process of that in that moment? Because again, it seems like a lot of experiences and a lot of things that you've developed have come from real life experiences and situations that you have either seen yourself, you've been a part of, or you've helped others do. Cool. Interesting question. So the 80s from 1980 to 1993 was sort of my incubator period you know so it was it was over a decade and if we go back to the fight with mitch i was already teaching you know uh my i was still working for my dad at the time mitch was my first private student well mitch's brother wanted to learn and then the kid across the street derek and then derek's brother literally within a month i had 30 privates a week so i was working 40 hours a week at my dad's factory and then every single night you know, Monday and all through the weekend, I would teach. So I was working, you know, a million hours a week. And, and uh, it was crazy. And I did that till 1985, when I finally opened my school and and left my dad's business to pursue this. And my, my dream since I was 15, I remember my mom asking me, I'm not sitting on the floor trying to do the splits, looking at Bruce Lee magazines. Hey, what are you going to do when you're older? I said, Oh, mom, you know, schools, you know, so you're going to go into your dad's business, you're going to school. What do you, I said, school is not going to be that important because I'm going to be a uh, you know, famous martial artist like Bruce Lee and uh, I'm going to develop my own self-defense system. And she like pat me on the head and said, okay, dear, we'll talk about this when you're older. And but in my, literally to my core of my soul, that's all I wanted to do is teach self-defense. I'd fallen in love with it. It, it I'd, as an athlete my whole life, uh, growing up on skis, wrestling, gymnastics, whatever whatever sports I played, I carried around the weight of fear with me. I was really good. I was an all-around athlete. But, you know, if I was open for the ball, not just catching the ball was on my mind. It was don't drop the ball. If I was wrestling, it was oh, I can take this guy down, but don't get pinned, don't get reversed. And I was like, there was this duplicity where the voice of fear in my mind was... Uh, not just uh, as loud as the voice of confidence and competence, but it was louder. Most of don't let the team down. Don't let your parents down. Don't screw up. Don't. And people can call that self sabotage or whatever. But, but it's there's the need for critical thinking requires self awareness. So if you if you're not a, if you're not sure what that voice is in your head, you can suddenly start to listen to it like some jerk whispering in your ear like hey you're an asshole you're gonna you're going the wrong way you're going too slow you're going too fast you're not going to make it and i think i think there's a lot of really talented people that never self-actualize never fulfill what they what they wanted because that voice was the voice they spent too much time listening to that's a uh... That's pretty deep. You, you heard of Stephen Pressfield? Sure, of course. Um, you, the, I, I, can I brag for a second? Go for it. You actually met him. Yeah. So, you know, he and I have become, I'm going to say buddy. I, I don't, I, you don't use the term, I mean, we're friends, but, but I've, I've, he's, I interviewed him a couple of times for my podcast 
and then we uh, we broke bread at his place recently. And nice. Gates of Fire was such an impactful book on me back in like whenever it came out, like twenty years ago, whatever it is. And and then some of his other books, you yeah. know, Legend of Bagger Vance, which a lot of military guys wouldn't read that unless somebody said you got to read this. Like like he's an amazing writer, and beyond the how how cool his fight scenes are, uh, but. It was, uh, uh, he got introduced to me uh, from Jack Carr. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, and so uh, so I had the, I interrupted you there. but No, you're, but, it was, the reason why I'm bringing it up is he wrote that book, The Art of War. Yeah. And in that book. The War of Art. Or the. The, the War of Art. The War of Art. Sorry, The yeah, War yeah, of Art. No, sorry, sorry. War, yeah, The War of Art. Sons who wrote uh, or, Art of Art War. War. But yeah. no, it's it's easy to mix the, the titles up. And you're. You you are a a warrior at heart, so you're gonna you're gonna subconsciously you're gonna reference Sun Tzu before you <laughs> reference Stephen Pressfield. Um, but but in his book, he talked a lot about resistance yes. and how we meet ourselves with resistance. And I think that's a lot of what it is. And I and when I read the book and I got done reading it, it really gave me this warm and fuzzy of trusting your intuition, right? Because that's literally what he was literally ta- ultimately at the bottom line. If you want to go ahead and look at, it, if you haven't read it yet. It literally talks about learning how to get through your own resistance, meaning get through your own bad guy conversation in your own head, get right. through your own your own your own intuition, and understanding like trust that intuition. You know, for me, I'm currently writing something. I'm writing a, a, a book, and it's it's been a project I've been doing now for about a year, and and I've had to really learn how to get through my own resistance sure. and learn how to take that fear of like, well, what are people going to think about this? You know, or is this going to be popular? Or even just my own self doubt conversations and it's been like no fuck you you know utilize that 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 idea of fuck fear and utilize it to my power to my control where it's like no i'm going to channel this like we keep talking about and again i I think a lot of guys in the tactical professional especially when it comes to the military uh, world and mission critical teams if we talk about it from that standpoint a lot of these guys get taught only to react they don't get taught how to respond right and 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 what you're doing with your systems and you just nailed it right now is like you know everyone's so ready to get how do and once i get punched what do i do well no it's like how do i avoid getting punched sure and how do i go ahead and control that and we talked about the three c's before the show started right you know where you're looking to clear it control it and then the counter. last and then counter yeah, it counter. Yeah. and counter it and and that's a big thing and i think a lot of those acronyms and that approach falls into your everyday life it's a skill set we can sure. carry and and that and that was the thing i was going to uh, interject on that is a lot of in the 80s a lot of these principles came up to solve you know the uh, the uh, kinematic kinetic issues right oh he's got a gun he's got a knife he's always throwing a punch okay i'll move here i'll move here and and while i was starting to uh redefine and and uh reverse engineer through studying how the body naturally moves which became the spear system most of my cool acronyms the three i's the three d's the three c's you know intuitions instinct intuition intelligence clear control counter detect diffuse defend like things where i said these are principles and if you abide by the principles the system becomes self-correcting it's an algorithm to have a socratic conversation with yourself instead of like you said we 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 you don't want to react to contact you want to pre-act to contact you want to be when we talk about left to bang head on a swivel a lot of that stuff there there aren't intuitive drills you can do as an individual it's like 
look at this picture what's wrong with this picture look in the village what's here you're driving here see this like look how quiet it got or look at these windows are opening these windows are closing what's that kid on the phone doing these are all you need to do that training yep. but what happens is the external stimuli goes into your eyes or your ears or your sense of touch and then your training education life's experience manufactures an idea in your mind it's very black box right it's yep. like it's like now i'm visualizing what is that what did i just see there what did i just hear there what did i just feel there and this is the three eyes instincts intuition intelligence if you don't understand how to integrate intuition into what you're visualizing then that's when you miss it that's when you go how did i miss that yeah and then you and then you can if you meditate on it more you go fuck i i had a bad feeling i had an insight but sometimes we're so busy trying to do our rising block hit that reverse punch and i tell people this this is such a deep concept man you'll dig this situational awareness is a conscious cognitive skill mm -hmm. intuition is not a conscious cognitive skill intuition picks up uh uh again the black box radar like it's our internal GPS. Hey, you're going the wrong way. Make a legal U-turn. Right? Yeah. It's like a, that little voice in your head. But we shut it down. We're macho. We're cavalier. We're like we're like fuck fear. We're like, but not with the acronym. But not it's the like, acronym. Yeah. Fuck fear. Like you know, I or I'm not a I'm not afraid of anyone. Right? And and you know, like people those those my guys. Those are those are the uh, the dogs. Dogs upstairs. Clearly, there's uh, somebody trying to break into your house but we're in a podcast so um so uh uh what's what's important here to, to understand with this is that true situation awareness is conscious cognitive intuition is not conscious and it's not cognitive you need to you get a a an intuitive message yep and you've got to have the self-awareness to go huh what was that and then of course if you're an extremely violent encounter you don't have time to sit down and meditate and go hey bad guy hold that hold that sucker punch i've got to center myself yeah so a lot of the homework has to be done before but listen to this every victim of violence that i've ever interviewed and i'm talking like military guys in ambushes all the way down to the soccer mom every one of them said they had a bad feeling before the attack there's not a single yeah. person that said that came out of nowhere uh like didn't even know and, and I have a, a, a famous fun story I share. Um, I had a, a guy at a seminar, puts up his hand when I say that, and I go, he says, yeah. Uh, he says, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I love, I'm loving what you're saying, but I was once sucker punched in the back of the head by a guy I didn't know, no pre-contact cues, just saying. I said, well, you know, that's a unicorn moment. Straight that doesn't up. happen. I said, but can I ask you a couple of questions? Because most of the time it's just you don't know how to read the tea leaves and uh he looks at me then the seminar stops i go so you didn't know this guy he says no and he punched in the back of the head no pre-contact use he says no he said like so what i'm asking is like how would the start of flinch or the three eyes integrate in a case like that i said well hold on we'll you know let's get to that never seen this guy before he mm -hmm. hesitates Okay, maybe uh, maybe you don't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Have you ever seen this guy before? He goes, yeah. I go, really? 
Okay, so a guy you've seen before punched you in the back of the head. Tell me more. When did, you know, what happened? He goes, well, we'd had three had exchanged some words. I go, really? Like when? That night? He goes, no, the week earlier. I said, so let me, let me understand this. Just putting this together quickly. <laughs> you had words with a guy in a bar last Friday. Then seven days later, you went back to the same bar where you had words with a guy and you sat with your back exposed, right? And then yeah. he punched you in the back of the head, right? And he guy's just looking at me. I go, dude, you had seven days to block that punch. Straight up. Right? You had seven so, days, yeah. So it was funny. Of course, everyone laughed. Uh, he got it. He got it. But this is the whole thing is like, if he had been using the three eyes and the clear control counter, and here's a neat thing is clear control counter was originally developed to a guy, uh, guy pulls a gun, sticks it in your face, clear yourself from the little hole, control the arm limb, and then do the counterattack. Most weapon defense disarms go right into a complex motor skill, and it's why they fail. The Jackie Chan approach to self-defense doesn't work and there's no evidence of it and I, and I tell people this you know all of our training is evidence-based yeah. and and more and more people i talk to you know i just uh, very flattered you know mike glover was just talking to me and he said man he said i learned your stuff back in 2004 2005 and he said on his podcast recently and it blew me away because i i'd never heard it and just getting to know him he said, I've been to every single military training course that's taught, every one of them, name them. He said, the only stuff that worked in CQB was the stuff that yeah. you taught us. Uh -huh. And 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 a lot of people are gonna like, oh, what did he just say? Oh, the, you know, fuck that. Who is this guy? You know? And what I did is I said, listen, let's keep this simple. You come into a room, there's only three things that are gonna happen if there's really a bad guy in front of you. You're gonna shoot him. You're gonna hit him with your gun or you're gonna hit him hit with your, your body. Yep. And then you're hitting him with your body, depending on where you are clear in flooding the room, yep. needs to be primal gross motor. And I developed back in, this is pre 9-11 for a, a, a unit who's, I could mention, but I'm not going to mention, um, uh, but a unit down for Bragg, where I was looking at between their shoot, no shoot protocols. I said, what about no room to shoot, no time to shoot? And everyone looked at me and said, what? I said, thought no about it. to shoot. No. And I coined that term for them. This is like fucking over two decades ago. Yeah, I was going to say 98, 99. Yeah, no room to shoot, no time to shoot. And that is, this may be a deadly force scenario, but that little hole is pointing away. And oh, people are, oh, I'll, just, I'll grab my pistol, I'll grab my knife, I'll grab it. No, the, guy, the bad guy's on top of you, it's a fight. Yep. And you need, and what happens is this, startle flinch occurs and it doesn't, and people confuse... This is an interesting thing, and I, I love getting deep with this for your crowd. Uh, people confuse fear and flinching and resist, going back to Pressfield's concept, resist exploring it because there's an unconscious element of that means am I a coward? Is it unwarrior-like? Is it effeminate? And the startle flinch, and this is so deep, the startle flinch response has nothing to do with your the manifestation of your courage yeah. that you are just jumped out of an airplane low crawled towards a bad guy's house kicked down a door are charging towards the gunfire if you're surprised right there your physiology hijacks your psychology yep. and so i was talking about physiology uh, physiology Versus, precedes yep. physicality 
And the big mistake in the tactical training community, and this isn't a criticism, it's just it's just an oversight, is if you all fights are dangerous, but the most dangerous fight is the ambush. The ambush hijacks cognitive thinking. So if you look at if you if you can flash back to any training shoot house okay. where you've got SIM and UTM marking cartridge. If you go, anyone listening to this, go into your shoot house on your, whatever base post you're at and go look where most of the mist paint is. It's above the door yeah, on the, towards the ceiling. And I always make a joke when I go in there. So when I'm working with firearms guys, I go, are your role players giraffes? Why are all of these mist shots 10, 12, 14 feet high. That's because even though I know I'm doing a force on force scenario, because you're not surprised in it. No, no, right? no. You're going, hey, no live ammo. Here's here's the right bolt or here's this, the, 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 the upper right receiver weapon, for it, everything. Right? Here's different eye pro. Don't do this. Oh, you got a red man suit. Don't use, don't shoot the red man suit because, oh, you, here's the, the sim. You color coordinate who the bad guy is. How do you still fucking miss? True. And when they miss, they're not missing uh, uh, fractionally. It's not like I went to shoot the guy in the face, but he moved, so I shot him in the ear. They're all, there's a thousand rounds above every door. Because when you startle flinch, your hands come up to protect your head. Yep. It's a default unconscious mechanism. Now go back to something I said twice. Situational awareness is conscious cognitive. When I come into the room and I'm clearing the room and all of a sudden a bad guy, you call it the Jack in the Box moment. He just, you, you. Surprise. You know, you know the, the, <laughs> the Jack in the Box music, right? No matter how good you are, the clown will always pop first. And so you're, if you're trying to finger jab the clown when he pops out of the box, you will always move second. Action's faster than reaction. Bad guy in an ambush is always action. If it's truly a violent moment, and you've been surprised. There were no pre-contact indicators that allowed you to, to, to uh, control yourself and access your training. True surprise, your physiology kicks in. And, and the, the hardest thing here I am decades later still explaining this to people because I still get reasonably smart people yeah. saying, why the fuck are you teaching people to flinch? And I'm going, I'm not teaching anyone to flinch. I'm teaching them to weaponize their flinch. The flinch. Yep. So that... If my conscious cognitive situational awareness is compromised, my body's survival system goes, hey, dumbass, you missed this. We're going to move from here. And what I've actually figured out how to do through Pavlovian classical conditioning and creating a whole series of drills is get your cognitive brain to respect and integrate what your reactive brain through the limbic system, the amygdala, yeah. all of these things that just hijack executive function, we get them to fucking marry up and dance together. And the single purpose is clearing the emotional psychological malfunction. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Right? Nobody wants so if if I go oh shit and I micro flinch and when you micro flinch your body uh, contracts violently. So for a nano moment y y there's that oh shit like thing yep. and if anyone listening to this think about a time you know that you were opening a door just as someone came out the door and surprised you and and you were like fuck man and you might have grabbed your heart if like it was like somebody you cared about dude you scared the shit out of me or or your hands came up or or and or and maybe you indexed the door but it was a non-conscious movement and the speed was facilitated by the physiology of survival right. not yeah. by your conscious cognitive nobody says nobody says i'm gonna flinch now yeah it's a cool concept it's it's really cool you bring that up because it's um, 
I remember going through shooting packages back in 08 down at First Recon Italian and whenever we, before we had to get in, we went live into the shoot house, we had to do, you know, qualifications on the range. But every time you missed a round, you had to go run up a mountain, oh, go right. touch the, go touch a cross and come back. And if guys have been down at a range, uh, 207, I believe it is down at Camp Pendleton, you know, some of our platoon sergeants who were part of some pretty big units back in 03, all the way to 07, who were doing some really deadly things and coming down to utilizing, you know, the idea of what if you have no time to shoot, no time to, to protect right. yourself these guys were doing some of those things and there was the same concept they were teaching but in a different manner it was like hey look you're gonna be going into a shoot house you have to understand and have the situational awareness to know that something at any moment is gonna pop up and you have to be able to control it and that was a big thing so if we and we call them flyers that's what we call them missed shots off target as a flyer if you shoot a flyer you're running up the mountain coming back and over time you'd started seeing that guys no more no longer missed missed right. and they were hitting rounds on target boom boom we started moving and, and it came from this idea of and it's something i've taken to this to today and we talked about on this podcast of movement literacy writing literacy right when we go in and write something we are learning how to write let's take a kid what do we learn first how to do letters right so we isolate the letter and then from there we start putting words together from those letters so we start developing integration of those letters put together. And then from there, we innovate by making sentences and paragraphs, and all of a sudden, now I have a full-on paper. It's the same thing with movement. When I go ahead and wanna fix movement, I'm gonna isolate a specific piece of the of the body so we can see how it moves, and then we're gonna go and integrate it to another piece, and then we're gonna innovate that. And as we do it, the same exact thing here we're doing from a psychological perspective now, and I call it psychological flexibility. Meaning that if I can teach someone to isolate a thought process and then from there we can integrate it into actually working for them and then we can then develop an innovation to go ahead and create a positive behavior. It's the same thing here with the start or then flinch ref, uh, response reflex. Right. And that's the biggest part is being able to have that idea. Yeah. I want to throw something in here and it's not a monkey wrench, but it's a, it's a, it's a psychological riddle for many people. So many, many, many years ago, I said, be careful what you practice. You might get really good at the wrong thing. Yep. And so I could take a kid and teach them that the letter F is really a B and the letter C is really an O. And if that kid believes me and then I integrate that kid into school, they're failing everything. Yeah. Even though they might be really, really good at this language that doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, and so what am I saying? Be careful what you practice. You might get really good at the wrong thing. People think that that is just me being a dick saying, you got to train with me. Don't train with that. What I'm actually talking about is understanding the neuroscience of learning yeah. and understanding how neurons actually fire. move and fire and the, the signal speed and the messaging and I'll give everyone an example. If you love Taekwondo, which is predominantly a kicking art, and I say to you, what would you do in this scenario if this happened? You will not say to me, I'm gonna double leg the guy. You will not say liver shot with my shovel hook. You will not say, well, that's why I carry, I'll transition. You'll say, I'm gonna kick him. If I say to a jujitsu practitioner, someone who loves grappling, what would you do in this scenario? And I'm giving them like an ATM attack or a problem in a bar or a, you know, carjacking. The grappler, the guy who loves grappling, isn't going to say, 
duh, jump back, kick to the face, or I'm going to throw a, a fake with a jab and hit him with a, a body shot, he's going to say, I'm going to take him down and choke him out or something grappling. What I'm getting at here is, and this, I'm going to tie this into situational awareness, and I think you're going to dig this, is when we fall in love with a gun, a knife, a pressure point, a, a, a martial style, we are myelinating our neurons. And that is a big fancy word for muscle memory. There is no such thing as muscle memory in the actual sense. And people use it all the time. You might, I used to, but muscles don't have memories. Muscles are attached to our mind and our brain. And I tell people, if you have no awareness, you have no chance, right? And so you won't clear a malfunction unless you're holding a gun that malfunctions. Have you ever found yourself just going, oh shit, and doing a clear in the air and going, what was that? You go, oh yeah, I just, I just, my, my muscles wanted to do a malfunction, right? <laughs> you know, if you, you decide to go for a run tomorrow, your quads didn't wake you up, you know, and go, hey, you know, your calves didn't say, you know, take it easy on me today. Your mind said, I'm going to run tomorrow. And when you don't want to run and you've got resistance, your mind says, don't be a pussy, go run right and so i tell people and go back to the to the expression careful you practice you might get really good at the wrong thing true situational awareness needs you to read the scenario and all the pre-contact cues and the factor and what is the scenario george what's the difference between or let me ask you this you know how to get out of a headlock you've been taught through various martial arts combatives class how to get out of a headlock where does every one of those drills start when you're learning how to get out of a headlock in a headlock right and you've been taught weapon retention, right? right? Where does every one of those drills start? If they say, okay, if a guy grabs your gun, you're going to do hit here, do Either that. already unholstered and out in front or, or holstered and bad guy grabbing Bad guy gun. grabbing it, yep. So if I say defense against a rear strangle and I'm showing how to break the finger or hip throw the guy, where does that drill start? In the same position. You're in the choke. Yep. In the strangle. So... When we practice block-based training, we're actually eliminating all the pre-contact cues that got us in that problem. Cool. So if I say to you, I'm gonna teach you how to um, fight your way out of a noose. And so we're gonna do these neck strengthening exercises. I, here's where you're gonna keep a little knife in your foot. I want you to do, you're gonna kip and you're gonna do like a reverse, uh, like in uh, upside down. You're gonna, when after they drop you, right? Pretend that you're dead, feign dead. And when they clap and all that, you're going to freak them out. You're going to do a, you're going to kip up, bring your feet up, grab your knife, cut yourself. And it's this whole thing. Jackie Chan meets John Wick. In order for that move to work, you have to be in a noose and be being hung. Uh, yeah. Do you get what I'm getting yep. at, man? Yeah. What happened to detect and avoid, defuse and deescalate, the first Ds? What happened to killing the hangman what happened to walking into the room and you see the guy tying the rope and going okay yeah i need to start fighting right now yeah and and so when i explain that people are like look at me roll their eyes like well died start fighting there but the neat thing about the brain is that the brain if it doesn't know what to do it's a psychological void yeah and a lot of people go ah and it's the deer in the headlight moment now add to that true fear and true danger 
and you can get glitches in the neural circuitry in the brain. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And you can have this. I'm sure you've been downrange where you, everyone understood the rules of engagement. Everyone he, present had the exact same equipment, the same training, and one guy took the shot and one guy didn't. Yep. If I ask why didn't that guy not take the shot, it was an emotional, psychological glitch that created a micro hesitation. And it's and we can go, well, I'm not I'm not operating with that guy. He didn't do this, he didn't do and really what it is, it's a fear spike because it introduced a stimulus was introduced too quickly that wasn't addressed or experienced during stress inoculation yep. in, in good scenario based training. So at the end of the day, like when I'm brought in to consult and explain and, and I mostly train trainers, so they've got a new language to assess and mentor. It's not that this person's uh, you know needs to be washed out or you know you're demoted, get the hell out of here. Yeah. It's understanding what's going on. I'm talking about two things here. I want to finish this this other thing and circle back. When I fall in love with my combatives approach, I am actually modifying true situational awareness okay. for two reasons. One, most of the training is block based, so that was the hey, let me show you gun disarm. And we don't do the scenario to lead up to the problem that created the problem for the solution I now need. And so one of our, 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 our tenets, our principles is in a real violent encounter, like a jack-in-the-box moment, you're going to be off balance emotionally, psychologically, and physically. And your job is to recalibrate as soon as you can. And so these are the drills. This is the SPEAR system. SPEAR, for people who don't know what the acronym means, Spontaneous Protection Enabling Accelerated Response. It's, it's really about weaponizing the startle flinch. But it's not just a, you know, oh, I don't want to flinch. What do I do? There's an emo the emotional psychological system has to be attacked first for there to be a flinch. Correct. And all of that is non-conscious. And this is mind speed. And if you understand the principles you're now recalibrating as fast as you can. And it's no different than, you know, clearing a double feed. But you need to know you're in a gunfight and your gun didn't go click, boom, yep. for you to do the double feed. Otherwise, you keep pulling the trigger. Yeah. So it's very subtle. And, and, and it's not about mus uh, 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 muscle, muscle memory because it doesn't really exist. My, I need to be connected to the scenario. So we tell people no awareness, no chance. You need yeah. to have awareness. But anyways, I'm down the, uh, in in a deep rabbit hole here. So throw me a <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it's it, it makes a lot of sense just because of the fact that I think a lot of guys need to a lot of females and and males need to hear this, especially in the tactical community. Again, going back to the idea that we're taught to just react and not respond, and I think response is creative. So when we go ahead and look at the idea of know the situation know what you're going to do that comes down to being able to have a creative response to whatever the action of the enemy is so that reaction that we have needs to be thought out and needs to be already planned and practiced prior and it's something we talked about pre-show i mean yesterday we had an hour conversation about this and i got this from dr carlos uh carl ruiz he's a prior um officer in the navy as, as a navy seal he now teaches and works with mission critical teams and he teaches a lot of um you know re response training to you know situational type based events and you know he talked a lot about that is you know when a firefighter goes into a an, into a room 
you know, he's already had thought about what he's going to do in that room before making entry through the fatal funnel. He, he And once he's into that, through that fatal funnel, into that fire in that house, if he was to turn, try and turn back around, what happens to him? He now is going to set himself up for a higher risk of, of death. So he needs to continue moving himself through this resistance to allow for him to go ahead and follow through and come back and do the, to do the correct things. Because again, by throwing in that wrench and being like, no, wait, let me turn back around because this is scary or because I'm fearful, it's actually taking fear now, right? Where we're gonna break down fear because we broke down fuck already. We break down fear where it's false expectations appearing, appearing real. real. And, and that's the idea. Once I've made entry, right, I can't let that fear and that negative connotation that we've had in the past dictate what I'm going to do where we see these rounds fly high. It's now it's like, no, this is a chance where I drive that fear to make sure that I'm putting rounds down where it matters and they're valuable, especially the same thing with our words. Sure. It's the same idea here. And I think that's probably one of the, the most powerful things we can kind of talk about is understanding how to look at fear from this idea of false expectations appearing real because again it goes back to your intuition it goes back to your intelligence and it goes back down to ultimately your psychological flexibility right so the next question i have for you yeah and this is from one of my other coaches over at softly he he's in uh on the east coast so he couldn't make it here obviously because we're doing this person but lately we've been having a lot of um police attacks we've been having a lot of police attacks on civilians however you want to look at it whatever you want to use the words for that a lot of people keep talking about how it is they need to train to, to improve their training, but no one's really talking about how do we improve that decision-making, mm -hmm. right? How do we improve the, that, that pre-reaction or that action to go ahead and allow them to set themselves up to, one, not put themselves in a, in a deadly position where they're now going to be fired to where they can now have the control emotionally and cognitively to go ahead and handle whatever situation they're coming to with the right um, tools and the weapons. And that's something that, you know, you've been teaching Elio, you've been teaching these guys for years and it's something that I would love to hear. And I'm pretty sure our guests would, what do you see in that? And when we hear that people talk about, we need to improve their training. It's not that they need to improve their training. We need to improve their decision-making. Yeah. And you can't listen, the mind navigates the body. So, uh, you know, you said this earlier, like, you know, we don't want to react, we want to respond. And so play on words, responsibility with a hyphen. Our yeah. ability to respond. If if you if all solutions are okay, you, you got to get the guy on the ground, and then uh, uh, knee on back, knee on belly. Oh, wait a minute, we're taking that away from you. Okay, you got to control the guy. Here's a lateral vascular neck restraint, fancy word for a, a rear a strangle. Uh, oh, we're taking that away from you. Um, the the I just got. Uh, uh, a letter, I should read it to you. I got an email this morning from a cop who trains with me online. Okay. Who, he was called to a juvenile disturbance. The kid turns out to be 300 pounds, six foot four. Whoa. And he's got a, um, I should read it. It's, it's, Go for it's, it. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, we, we'd like to share stuff like that, especially I'm pretty sure the LEO who's listening would, would enjoy it. Well, and, and this is, and this is uh, nuts because it literally, it literally just came in, uh, Angry Child. And you can look at this here. Here, I want just just for evidence. <laughs> I want you to look at look at the date on that. Can you see that I'm pulling yep. it inside there? Six three. Got it. Right. Seven fourteen last night was sent yep. to me. 
Four, three, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. So, hey, coach, I responded to a juvenile facility about staff having a problem with one of the kids. This kid turned out to be six foot four, 300 pounds, angry 15-year-old, brandishing an exit sign until he had ripped, that he had ripped off the wall. Wow. He immediately told me he wanted me to leave or he was going to hit me. I put up my best... So we have a, a whole protocol on clear control counter. Remember I was saying how it yep. evolved? In the 80s, clear control counter was, oh, George has a gun, clear it. He yep. starts the fight, control, control that it. Yep. counter. And the big mistake is if I rush to a complex motor skill before I have emotionally cycled, so our, what, our, the expression, if you're training with me, is until you're emotionally and psychologically in control of yourself and physically dominating your opponent, do not transition to the complex motor skill. And so there's a whole, with the whole spear system coming off long guns and handguns or, or crowd penetration or knocking somebody field of fire, it's a single move. It's the single movement and the integration of of how my 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 forearm becomes this like tactical it's almost like a like a a a shovel in the snow or a crowbar and and you could be holding your gun with it or you could have your hands up in what we call a negotiator position and understanding that if you move first and i flinch my hands are going to come up and now i can use this huge the 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 striking service instead of like your palm or your fist or your fingers which is tiny it's your whole from your palm to your forearm to your elbow Mm -hmm. and i I make this joke and again you know a lot of you obviously no one can see this because it's audio but think about you're driving and all of a sudden the sky opens up and there's this torrential downpour and you hit the windshield wipers as quickly as you can and you're going, man, and like and you've been in storms where they can't move fast enough and you can't see stuff. You're you're slowing down. You're like, you're, holy yeah. shit, holy shit. It's a, it's a dynamic moment. And um, like that could be a gunfight. That could be like just things are happening so fast, so quickly. Have you thought about this? Now, the, the, the reframe I want is imagine if your windshield wipers were the size of drops of rain. Okay. And the button, instead of one button on your your steering wheel column or on your dashboard instead of one button where you hit windshield wipers you had to control it like a fucking etch-a-sketch right so now you're how quickly would you crash if you had to manually control everything and and the windshield wipers were were tiny like drops that to me is what complex motor skills are in martial arts that makes sense oh he comes at me with a left hook well i zig this way hit this nerve here grab the third metacarpal bone on his thumb drive his pinky back towards his elbow (laughs) step over here don't tear the rice paper and i'm listen i've been a martial artist for most of my life i said earlier turned 61 two days two days ago yep happy belated birthday brother thank you buddy uh, but I've been doing, if you include wrestling, I've been doing some sort of force on force combatives type thing since 1967. Nice. You know? And so w- when I make fun of this stuff, it's almost like if you showed me like you had a black powder rifle that you had bought at an auction and it's still functional. And you're telling me that how you're going to use it in a home invasion. I'm going, dude, you got to drop black powder in it. Then you got to take that take, rod yeah, and stick put it, it down. down and put in one ball and like but don't you also have an m4 yeah but i love I my love black this. pirate <laughs> i love this like this anti i go it's it's so cool but in a sudden violent encounter please grab your glock or your m4, m4. or even that tomahawk that is really cool like yeah <laughs> right but we we fall in love with our martial ways and we don't realize and i never finished this thought from before if everyone remembers this when you fall in love with something, if I said to you, you got a great vocabulary, love to write. If I said to you, George, listen very carefully to me, 
because I'm going to say important stuff. But at the same time, I want you to try and find a way to use the word subservient in the next paragraph, in the next sentence, in the next five minutes. And now I go, and so the fact that I asked you to look for an opportunity to slip in the word subservient means you can't fully listen to me anymore. Because I'm already thinking. Because your brain is waiting for a pause or an opening and you're going, do I really understand subservient? When would I use it? What, what do I need Tony to say for me to say subservient? Do I need to lead the conversation? So I go, so Tony, uh, Tony have you ever found that uh, if you're teaching a group of subservient people, but what you're actually doing is manipulating the conversation so that you can use the word. Now, where the fuck is Blauer going here? If in the back of your mind, you love taking people down and arm barring them, if your favorite move is a tie kick, if you love, you know, crashing in with some Casey move where you're, you, 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 you bring your elbow, elbow up, up and you yeah. drive into the sternum, your unconscious brain is looking for a way to use that or a moment to use that, which means you're not actually fully consciously situationally aware because you're looking for a way to slip your favorite move into the fight that's huge it's huge now let me tell you a true story can't mention the names can't mention the unit um uh but there was a guy who was a a, a combatives consultant who was a, a guest at a gig i was doing for a tier one group and his love and passion was jiu-jitsu. Okay. And I love jiu-jitsu too. I'm not good at it. Anytime I, I play with jiu-jitsu guys, I'm like a human fucking pretzel. And, and, and uh, it's awful. But I do it because I love the chess with muscles, the, the whole chess match. And I'm not, an, I'm not a moron. I'm also, my first... My first force on force stuff was wrestling. I understand yeah. that the most dangerous person to take to the ground is someone who's not afraid of the ground. Yeah. Yep. But I don't do it. It's it's like it's like every so often. Um, and I focus more on ground fighting versus grappling. The difference between submitting versus subduing. Yep. If I'm in a violent encounter, I'm subduing. Yep. My focus is subduing, not submitting. <laughs> and so, um, I forget where I was going with this. Oh shit. Uh, oh, so here I am. This unit. And this is an important story. And it's not, it's not, the story isn't about this individual or jujitsu. It's about the myelinization of neurons and how that can hijack you from doing what you need to do in a critical incident. Our scenario, our final training scenario was, and I never finished this. I got to read this thing. I'm all over. The we'll get back there. And, and so here I am. Final scenario. They're in my high gear suits. And anyone listening to this who doesn't know what high gear is, you got to go look at it. Uh, and, and check it out because we spent five years building it so that a role player yep. moved exactly like a real person, 10 pounds head to toe. If you've got a suit that changes how the role player moves, you're truly not stress inoculating yeah. for the violence and, and, and the speed of the threat. So the final training scenario is this bad guy, role players in high gear operators move, move on the guy. We have six guys on a wall. It's an isolation. We call a ballistic microfight, a short explosive incident. You come in at the guy, he's got his hands up, you muzzle strike him in the chest, he grabs his chest, he pulls over, you sling your M4 and you grab the guy because you're going to go flex tie him. When you grab him, he's allowed to be the jack in the box. At that moment, he pops Pops. forward, goes to tackle you. You deploy the spear, which is the the weaponization of the startle flinch. So your startle flinch is like a fucking organic airbag. 
Think about that. And it should be the most powerful thing coming out of you. It is, because it's a core extremity movement. It's the split jerk of self-defense. Correct. Yeah. Right? I love that. And, and Coach, so, B, Coach, yeah. Coach Bergner would like to hear oh, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's like, boom, the, that hand comes out. But you have to do a split jerk on purpose, and you need to learn the kinetic chain, the sequencing. Nobody has to learn how to flinch. It just happens. Yeah. That's the magic of it. That's it. So it's truly this, the, the an organic biological airbag that deploys to create space, space between you and potential impact. Man, I got so many fucking visuals for your, your group. How important is situational awareness in a real fight? It, it's, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, right? it needs to be. And how important is skill? It's even just it, as important. It, right? But you need the situational awareness, awareness to first, right? enable the skill. Right? So if you're really skilled and I distract you and I sucker punch you, it doesn't matter that doesn't you got matter. the skill. You got dropped. So the concept here is this. In a car accident, if somebody drives into you, you're at a light, you're waiting, somebody hits you, they're texting, they're drunk. If you're in a car accident, have you ever been in a car accident? Yes. And you've got amazing situational awareness and you've got really good skill, but your situation awareness and skill were irrelevant in a car accident. Think about how fucking cool that is. Yeah. Pause, let everyone pause on that. When you're hit or forced into a crash because of shitty drivers, because of uh, like a pileup, you come over a hill and somebody's slamming on the brakes, you're going too fast. Well, and, and again, the contrarian will say, well, yeah, I was in a car accident, but it could have been a 12 car pileup, but because of my situation on my drive, just use the metaphor for a moment. If somebody runs into you, your driving is irrelevant, your situational awareness was irrelevant, what saved you in that car accident? Potentially my seatbelt, my airbags. Your airbags. So if it's the right speed, and again, it's a metaphor, it's the airbag that comes up. Now, I had a student at one of my seminars get in a car accident on the way, on the way over. This is in Atlanta years ago. I got a text in the middle of the night, hey, I may be late, I may not be there. Uh, got an, uh, uh, skidded off the road, hit a tree, wrecked our rental car, and but we're okay, we'll try to be there. I'm talking about my airbag metaphor in class, and I hear this person go, holy shit. And I'm like, are you okay? And this individual is looking at their forearm that has this bright red like carpet burn from the right from arm. the airbag from the airbag, right? And they're going, oh my god, I was the person that texted you when my airbag deployed, my startle flinch did it at the same time. And look at my arm. I go, so your startle flinch was actually faster. The the organic then airbag the air was bag. actually faster than the mechanical mechanical airbag. one, yeah. And everyone in the class is blown away. Like, this is like, how visceral is this? And I said, listen, I know this is a long shot, but any chance you were on your phone filming the accident, because how good would it be for my business if I could show you flinching before the airbag hit you? And everyone fucking laughed. And of course, they, they, they weren't. But that's how fucking fast it is. When yeah. someone goes through a car windshield, because they're not wearing a seatbelt, and their car had no airbag, there's trauma on the hands and the forearm. Yep. The hands come up before the head can hit the fucking window. That's how fast it is. So we figured out a way to weaponize it. And I'm telling 97 stories. What was the one before? We're going back to this oh, special the, unit that you're yeah, talking thank about. Thank you so much. So here's the scenario. So I wanted your audience to envision that the bad guy jumps at you as you're reaching for him. So imagine you're reaching for a door and as you open it or, or, or like a, the door has an electric volt to scare you, you touch it and you go, yeah, and you recoil, yep. right? You... So you, we teach the kinetic energy of the startle flinch gets rechanneled into a push away danger movement, split jerk of self-defense, driving out core to extremity. And uh, 
It's supposed to boom hit the role player, and then immediately you stabilize, transition your pistol. Pistol. Oh, yep. Threat assess. Do I need to shoot this person in the back? If not, I then immediately cover an opposing threat, yep. and then go back to my my flex cuffing ritual. Very cool little micro scenario. It's, it's like a six second exercise. Yeah. It's muzzle strike, hit, boom, stop the tackle, transition, assess this. Like it's like six seconds. So get this: this one guy who had been and he's world class jujitsu, world class jujitsu, twenty years jujitsu, world competing on the world stage, and winning on the world stage. Nice. When the guy he muzzle strikes, gorgeous muzzle strike, boom. We teach a very unique way to muzzle strike, boom, cross extensor chain. Hits the guy. Role player goes down. He's starting to move at the guy. When the guy, when the role player changed elevation, he hit a guillotine. Oh, wow. The jiu guy immediately grabbed his head, threw a guillotine. The guy starts to tap. He then passes with his, with the hand that was locking, passes the head, slides right into finger splayed outside 90. So he goes right into our half spear yep. movement, drives the guy away, and then draws his pistol. Because you can't draw your pistol from a guillotine, because using both hands. No. <laughs> okay? So listen, he added a second to a second and a quarter of movement because he went to the guillotine. So I walk over to him and say, hey, man, that was fucking fast. That was smooth. But you're in a CQB environment. I want you to be able to access your gun, your knife, your flashbangs really fast. I don't want you to tie up your hands, so don't do the guillotine. Go right into spear. It's faster. He says, okay, thanks. He goes again, next iteration. He goes again, he does the guillotine again. So I say to my assistant, I go, dude, go talk to him. Now I think he's doing this on purpose. On purpose. Because there's usually one guy in the class that tries looks, to go against the grain. He, 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 like he wants everyone to know you, he's could do, you could do this too. Yeah. You could do this too. Like, like a boxer could go, yeah, I could stop the guy here and hit him with an uppercut, right? You could. But if you uppercut the guy, you're probably going to do it with your gun side. Yep. You still can't get to your gun. So we have a matrix that we show people. Time to learn, scale. Can I modify uh, uh, the impact? If I'm if Suddenly I, I realize the person I'm fighting was the person I'm supposed to rescue and they've got Stockholm Syndrome. Am I actually gouging their eye and popping them in the throat and contact shooting them? Or am I going, oh, they have Stockholm Syndrome. How do I downregulate myself? and then modify the impact. Anyways, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. So my assistant walks over and I see them talking and I see this guy. Okay, got it. And he does it again and he does the guillotine again. Now, understand this, and this is the significance of it, of the story. I was just getting through the book, The Talent Code, okay. which you must read. Yeah. And anyone listening to this who's a coach, who's a trainer must read. Author's name is Daniel Coyne. Just look up Talent Code. And he explains in a in a most in the easiest way to digest in layperson's terms what myelinization of a neuron is and how the best coaches in the world do it. And it's not block-based training, which is how to get out of a headlock. Here's a gun grab. Here's step one. Here's step two. It's brain-based. It's Socratic. It's why are you doing this? Yeah. And I realized in that moment because I got really pissed when he did it three in a row because I thought he was doing it because everyone knew he was a jujitsu wizard. That was my ego. Yeah. And I realized as I was about to, and this is the, the we come back full circle to Alan Watts and to self-awareness and to Meditation critical thinking, <laughs> is in that moment when I was about to go, what the fuck? I realized I had this epiphany, big fancy word for light bulb moment. 
he doesn't know he's doing it. That's why, and key in the story was the three times he had been corrected, he was like, okay, got it. Usually when somebody's being a dick in a class, there's a defiance in their body language. Their arms are crossed. They're like in the scene in Roadhouse, I thought you'd be bigger. Yeah, but what if somebody calls my mother a whore? Well, is she? Otherwise, if she is, it's a statement of fact. If she's not, it's two words put together to elicit a, right? A response from you. And so I realized, oh my God, he's been doing the spear for five days. He's been doing jujitsu for 20 20 years. When he saw the elevation change in the role player, the the, the neuron that has been trained to respond to an elevation change was, if he's already on your hips, pull guard. If he's in between, sprawl. If it's early, grab his head and and choke him out with a guillotine. The three immediate action responses for a jiu-jitsu guy, he was executing perfectly. Yeah. But it was in a CQB environment, it potentially compromised the mission. And the, the transferability of that novel task was actually lower than it need, than compared to what you were trying to get to happen. In, in, right, because you knew you were in a scenario here. Had that been a real gunfight, the myelinated neuron would have hijacked what was the more relevant situationally aware reframe which was to push this guy away and immediately get your pistol because your long gun had already been exposed or put down or you're too close for it. You'd already dropped it and it was a no room to shoot, no time to shoot moment. Yeah. Amazing, right? So so I tie this, if you're still listening to this podcast and you haven't done, oh, don't, whatever. We'll have listeners for sure. Dozed off, nodded off. Um, That was a long animated true story of the maxim be careful what you practice you might get good at the wrong thing after the class i was able to explain to everybody how amazing this guy was as an athlete but how his neurons took him down another path that even though it only was one second how many rounds can be fucking loose down range in one second yeah even with an untrained person Person. with an ak-47 a lot yeah, a lot dude yeah right? so so the idea is like i don't want to be effect i don't want to just be effective as a tactical athlete i want to be efficient efficient yeah efficiency is getting the job done right effective effectiveness is getting the, the right job done yeah right the efficiency is and this is when you used your 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 uh um, writing example teaching people to write is that if i'm teaching them the language of jiu-jitsu Am I predisposing them to only write stories about ground fighting? Correct. If I'm teaching them the language of boxing, am I only teaching them stories about striking? Yeah. The most bruised, broken part of any fighter's anatomy is the fist and the wrist. Yeah. MMA, street fighter, cop. So if your default movement is the guy's, the guy's grabbed your long gun, you're fighting over it, and he's wrestling with it, and you go, shit, and then you go, and you hit him, and you bust your right hand because he's an, he's an enemy soldier, and you catch his helmet or his yep. elbow, and you crack your hand. How easy is your transition to your pistol? With you're fucked. Hand? You're fucked. Well, I wouldn't say you're fucked because I'm a very, I'm a romantic. I go, <laughs> like, you're still going to figure out. You'll, you'll make it happen. Hey, dude, let me tell you this. Again, can't mention the unit, can't mention the person. Guy comes in through the door, student of ours. 
he gets shot through the forearm by a he, he sees a guy uh, scrambling on a on a on a vest in the room guy in the corner room he goes right he goes right to the guy with the at, vest at the table with the vest shoots the guy uh with the vest and uh another threat that he didn't pick up because his eyes got drawn right to that's so like that's the bad guy he gets shot fractures his forearm arm goes down uh he runs towards the guy in the vest who's still alive and uses the forearm to drive the guy down knocking him away on on his ass saving the team that's coming in one of his other teammates comes in shoots the guy in the head but when he contacted me about it he said my my shooting side was out my arm was broken but i was still able to move towards the guy fucking hit him with the spear drop him and then my somebody else had already shot, shot the other guy. guy yeah and then like number three's in there boom yeah. and I got, right eliminated I, got, I don't know if you can see this no man got, yeah it's I got goosebumps all because it's all primal gross motor it's yeah. all you know it's all instinct what does your body want to do prior to any training and that's our thesis statement what does your body want to do prior to any training does that have a protective or a combative application? Yeah. If so, why isn't that the foundation of your training? Now, all fights are dangerous. The most dangerous fight is the ambush. The ambush will hijack your executive function. Executive function is where you keep your cognitive skills. So you weather the ambush through spear, and then you go, oh, I'm going to use my jiu-jitsu here. I'm going to use my boxing here. I'm gonna... I love all com combat sports. Yeah. So the people who really have good self-awareness can access our system because they're not looking at it as as like this or that or 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 one way fits all yeah it's like wait a minute i need to be a human weapon and now once i've taken care of my maslow's hierarchy of needs elements i can then specialize yeah it and i love the fact that you just brought that in idea of specialize you know i just got done competing in the recon challenge and right. it, and, and I, it was congrats a, on you probably did, you know you came in third yeah took, it was it was awesome and and the cool thing about this was we're talking about this idea of muscle memory or neurons and, and neuroplasticity and how we want to look at it. I had five weeks to train for this event, five weeks, meaning that I had to go ahead and sharpen skills that I hadn't touched in years, right. not tying underwater breath, holding confidence work, you know, shooting a long gun on weapons that I hadn't utilized in a while, um, moving under a ruck and, and understanding that that physiological and psychological um, fatigue that I'm gonna experience sure. and still have to do the job. And what I realized was the fact that I become a generalist for so long, this multifaceted human being, right. to where I now, I was able to specialize for five weeks for a specific thing that allowed for me then to exceed and set me up in a position of you know, life or death. That's the way I look at it, right? right. And the idea of the fear state was I can't let down my my like let down my family because we're putting a lot into this. I can't let down my work because there's a lot riding. We're a human performance company. Right? How does it look for your the right. one of the the performance director? DNF, go, right? Correct, right? <laughs> I ha, I'm now running with one of my athletes who I trained to get ready for Best Ranger Challenge, who two weeks prior just took second at Best Ranger Challenge, nice. which is huge. Right? And it's like I had to recover him to get ready for that, as well as. I'm going back with the brothers who I've helped put through BRC, who I've deployed with. I had a, 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 a not going to say a reputation to uphold, but there was a lot of pressure there. And, and what I realized was controlling that fear state and being able to utilize it for my own purposes allowed for me to succeed. And I think that's where I'm going with this and bringing it back full circle is this idea where, you know, we talked about it and is 
not just being able to generalize, but to be able to specialize, but understanding to be aware of the crowd. And we talked about this yesterday, right? right? When I called it the crowd, you called it the group in the middle, right? right? Because on the left side, you have someone too worried about one thing. On the other side, you have someone focusing on the end state. But there's a group in the middle who are completely lost and don't understand which way to go because there's so much information. And and that's where we're at today. And and one thing I want to bring up here for this next question for you is, Explain it and, 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 you know, not just this block period, this block phase training or, or periodization, how you look at when you teach it, but how do you get those people in the middle to really solidify the spear system to where they're now in control of those thought processes and that situation awareness to where they can use the three C's, the three I's? Right. Okay. Great question. So the first thing, so there's a, a, a little, uh, I'm going to get you to link to it. I wrote this thing, nine page uh, uh, PDF called Making Friends with Fear. Okay. And it took me 43 years and two weeks to write that. Nice. Right? Uh, and I've had people go like, oh, I thought it'd be longer. I go, you wouldn't have read it if it was longer. Like most people don't finish a book, right? So it's nine pages long, but it's, 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 and I remember, you know, and it's part of some funnel online. So when you click the link, I'm going to try and upsell you to my no fear program. Cause that's how I, you know, how you do my business. family. Yeah. Um, I will tell you this, and I still got to read you that cop's email. We'll go back to here that's, soon. Yeah. It's, but the whole thing is this, the people in the middle, the crowd. So we've got the extremists and, and some of the extreme stuff is extreme, like, like left leaning craziness. And then there's extremists like the specialists. This yeah. guy believes that like he lives on the side of a mountain and he's off the grid and that's extreme for some people. Uh, and then there's other people like, no, I got to live in a big city and that's extreme. Like at the end of the day, you got to do you, but you don't know who you are. And so it all comes down to self-awareness. So my approach to managing fear, false expectations appearing real, that's the movie in our mind. And what I tell people is when any stimulus hits you in life, it could be a tweet, right? Uh, I was in, in the UK teaching 52 uh, 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 cops and military when uh, President Trump closed the borders. And I woke up to take a whiz in the middle of the night. My phone was flashing. My kids were texting me, Dad, Dad, are you going to be stuck in Europe? What's going on? Did you hear they're closing? And when that hit me, that was that was like me going to the can and then, and then all of a sudden looking in the mirror and there was a guy taking a swing at me because I didn't have time to digest it. Or what do you mean the border's closed? What do you mean the, they're closing the world? The fear dump that I got, the adrenaline dump, the fear spike, I had to sit down like my, because I'm starting to get like, hey, the virus is spreading. Heathrow's the only airport. And I just, my brain created, have you ever watched The Walking Dead? Yep. It's actually great. I didn't watch it for, it's really well written, interesting story, because it's really what's going to happen. At the end of the day, we're going to kill each other uh, for food and power. <laughs> True. And, and so, <laughs> and so, um, uh, and, and guys like you and the people that train under you are going to be the last survivors. Yep. Uh, and, and so the, uh, um, so here I am just to explain here, I'm a fear management expert. I've, I, I, I actually teach professional psychologists who now use my system. Yeah. So, which is mind boggling, right? Cause I didn't, I'm not a PhD. I'm not a, I've lectured at some of the most famous, at the, one of the most famous hospitals in the world, uh, Royal Victoria hospital in Canada, department of psychiatry, where 12 of their leaders listened to me talk about the way I approach managing fear. And they're like, holy shit. And, and it's, it's, and it blows my mind. And coming back to your fear, preparing for uh, uh, this last competition, my fear, 
And what I want everyone listening to this to understand is that I make this joke about fear management. Type A personalities, male or female, don't like to talk about fear because they feel vulnerable. Yeah. And so it's ironic that you're afraid to talk about fear or that you would say, I have no fear, spelled N-O, whereas one of my companies is the No Fear Company, no K-N-O-W, that when you get to know fear, you change your yep. life. Because when you get a fear spike, instead of you going, ah, I'm not gonna look at that or fuck that shit or being macho about it, you go, what is that? Now that comes back to the acronym, fuck fear, face it, understand it, control it. Know it. Why control it is because there are things in life that you need to do afraid. Asking somebody to marry you can be, if you don't know they're going to say yes for sure, you're fucking nervous. Yeah. If you're having a kid, you're nervous, even though you're going, yeah, I'm so excited. But a part of you is going, man, I hope this baby's healthy. I hope everything yeah. goes like, you know, my daughter, I got two daughters, 22, 18. I got a 30 year old son. Um, my kids don't call me anymore, right? They're like, if I, I go, if I say to my 18 year old, hey, you wanna do something with dad? Dad, can you close my door? What, <laughs> babe, I just got home from a trip. How was your trip? Close my door. Like, it's like, you know, and I'm, I'm exaggerating. But when my daughter, if my daughter called right now, I'd stop the podcast and you would hear this in my voice. I go, hey, babe, is everything okay? Yep. Because she only calls me if there's something wrong. Hey, I can't reach mom or, uh, hey, dad. Okay, how much is it gonna cost? What is it, right? You know, <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I love it, right? It's, it's just part of the journey of life. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I'm saying is I get a fear spike when somebody mm -hmm. in my, my, my yeah. family calls who I don't hear from a lot, you know, like, like I had spoken to my mom two days ago. She called me on my birthday. She calls me yesterday. And I pause, I take a deep breath and I go, okay, this might not be good news because we don't talk every, every day. day. Yeah. And she calls me and gives me good news. But the idea is like, there's a moment of self-regulation, take a deep breath, go from my, I, the self-awareness that my, I shifted into a little bit sympathetic and I want to go back to parasympathetic because if it's bad news, I want to be as calm as I can be to make a rational choice that happens in a nano moment as the phone is on the second ring i've already gone through that process and that's what your audience needs to learn yep. how to do and it's the same skill as you're about to open a door and your intuition says there's something wrong yep. and can you trust your intuition to not run into a booby-trapped room or are you going to be like i don't want people to think i'm a pussy so i'm going to kick down the door first i said i'm point Right. Yep. And trust that because there's these black box stories of that. And I always tell people, listen to that intuition. There's yep. no downside to choosing safety. And so that combination of the acronym of fuck fear, face it, understand it, control, uh, uh, control it and know, know it. it. And then false expectations appearing real. The false expectation is worth is worth diving into a little bit. When we get introduced to a stimulus too quickly, and that's what happened to me. So I'm in Europe. It, everything's closed. I caught myself, my, my breathing had gone vertical, chest breathing, I'm sweating. And I realized that what I was doing was this. Everybody who's trying to get out of Europe will head to Heathrow. It's the only airport Port open. Yeah. I will not be able to change my flight. I'll be stranded and, and infected people will be at the airport. Infected people will be on the airplane. And this is just like a movie in my mind. And what I tell people is like this, you're the director. 
-hmm. you're the producer, you're the screenwriter, you're also the casting director, and you cast yourself as victim number one in a fucking horror movie. Yeah. And this is what happens to us. You get a toothache, George, and you don't call the dentist because nobody goes, I miss my dentist. You get a toothache and you go, man, I hope that goes away. Maybe I'll try flossing, I'll do this. You don't do it. And then finally you go in and the dentist says, and you're going, I don't want to go in and find out I got a root canal, holy shit. Oh, I need my wisdom teeth pulled. I fucking, I don't want an operation. And we wait and you wait and you wait. And then finally, if the pain doesn't go away, you go in and maybe the doctor says, dude, you're like a day away from like an operation. Take these antibiotics for 10 days. You'll be fine, whatever. But leading up to that, every day when you'd have the pain was a movie in your mind yeah. of what this is going to look like. And so our metaphor for this is just this false expectations appearing real. It's when I have started a movie in my mind and the way I want, because everyone listening to your your show is more tactical than the rest of the, the, the crowd, Correct. right? And But some of us are all in the crowd. I'm in part of the crowd. When I'm looking at what's happening to the US and the world, part of me is going, what the fuck's going on? And I'm entertaining these movements, these movies where I'm wasting five minutes, five hours or five days worrying about the future so the acronym my shortest best definition is this of false expectations appearing real it's when i'm visualizing a future event that hasn't happened that's debilitating me emotionally or psychologically in the present yeah that's huge and only self-awareness can extract me so guess what you're the victim in the movie in your mind but you're also the hostage rescue team yeah yeah <laughs> that's huge and, and i'm gonna go ahead and use an example again from this past week I hadn't broke surf in six years. And so what we had to do is carry our 50 pound packs into the ocean and break surf and fin for a thousand meters. Wow. Like it's not a skill that I do all the time. I don't have beaches out here in but, Utah. But also good thing they guaranteed there'd be no sharks or jellyfish. A hundred percent, right? Right. And, and the area we were in was known churches in San Onofre. known, you know, churches is one of the yeah. top surfing areas yeah. in the area. And I know that area and that the way that beach break is, is gnarly, right. powerful waves. And I'm not going to lie to you. It was like, all right, cool. The the fear of my ruck not floating, the fear of like not being able to break surf, the fear of losing a, a, a fin, the fear of like not being able to keep up with my teammate had me playing this movie right. of like, oh, the waves are going to be five to six feet deep. And it's exhausting. And it's exhausting. And ended up leaving me in this like dream state going to bed the night prior of me running through the situation awareness, me running through all of the things that I can do to not have it happen. Meaning that, hey, make sure your gear's packed properly. Make sure your DUI bags has doesn't have a hole in it. Make sure that you've gone through all the proper procedures. Well, this is the thing I want to tell you that that when you learn, so we have a, a you know the program No Fear, and I'll send you a link to the the graphic which yep. is called the cycle behavior. That's what we're talking about, the, yeah. Which is the neural circuitry of fear. I had a guy in the course. We just did a No Fear custom course up at, up at Fieldcraft, Fieldcraft, yeah. Uh, and I had a guy send me this email. Uh, last night and i still gotta i could read you this cops thing one day maybe it doesn't fit on the on the show here but um uh, at, at this point but this this guy said that after that seminar that was the best night's sleep he's had in years that's awesome you just like because what it is it's like when when suddenly you understand what the neural circuitry of fear does you can go oh, oh. you have a different so and i always tell people like this and you, as a, as a reconnaissance land nav specialist, you know of classic stories of people who died in the field because they let fear, you know, the, the classic story of, man, if he had just gone to the other side of the mountain, he'd have finished this. Yeah. But he sat down here and froze to death yeah. or gave up. 
and and it's fear that makes you give up and yeah. that's the whole mental toughness thing but we got to go beyond maxims and fortune cookies we so the neural circuitry of fear is a strip map for the mind and i ask people i go have you ever been lost and they go yeah i go have that feel it was fucking awful <laughs> scary as shit yeah have you ever been lost and then realized you kind of knew where you were but you were way off track and now you're going to be late or last or fuck but you realized i might not die because i think if i go here even if you were just guessing abstraction i got a and i got c if i go to b the fact that you thought okay and what was the difference between being lost and late yeah psychologically like yeah. as soon as you went oh my god like is that is that a a, a point that i recognize yeah. You were like injected with 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 hope yeah. and 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 vitality, and you, let's go, let's move. And so I tell people like, when you understand how to stop the horror movie in your mind and go, okay, what would MacGyver do to get out of here? What would Rambo do to get out of here? Well, yeah. whoever whoever your action, and guess what? As the as the the memes go, you got to be the hero in your fucking story. True. And what would you do to save the day? Yeah. You know, and the and that big part is asking that question. I think that's the, you know out of all of this, it's asking that question. It's like, what do I do next, and how do I get myself out of this state? And we talked about, part. and that's the exactly right because that now allows you to be creative. Like that's why I said res, to be responsive is creative, right? Um, because of the fact is you start answering yourself questions, and you and, now and, have and, that. And to go back to something you said about when you had all those fears about breaking surf for seconds minutes hours you were being exhausted by death doom and destruction and then you said wait a minute intuitively you figured out to make sure i don't run of ammo i'll pack more ammo right to make sure and that's yeah. the metaphor is is you know shit, if i run out of water i die well you bring extra water yep. or you you what you rash you learn how to rationalize you it. know and and so so the the exercise having the strip map this 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 map called the cycle behavior in your mind is to see it as a hologram where you're walking in a scenario and then all of a sudden a, a stimulus gets introduced it is normal so the one of the biggest breakthroughs is i tell people that if you think that your training and your awards and your accolades means that you are at a no fear and no fear level what happens to you hypothetically if you get a malfunction. Correct. You now have gone you're, through that in your head multiple times. But you now times. freak out, like yeah. potentially, because you went, wait a minute, I thought like I would, this would never happen to yeah. me. But if you have a, a frame of reference that says, if a stimulus gets introduced too quickly and a fear spike will create doubt and doubt, doubt creates hesitation, hesitation creates procrastination, procrastination and procrastination unchecked becomes fixation fixation unchecked becomes non-clinical anxiety or in some cases anxiety, anxiety and now it's fucking up your life and so the non-clinical anxiety is like you know me coming into the room and i go george what's the matter and you go nothing good dude your body language is like like you're something's really bugging you and you're like yeah well i just can't seem to get started on whether it's resistance my book or uh, uh whatever it is yeah. any scenario and it could be professional it could be medical it could be health it could be family it could be self-defense right yeah um uh, you know we, we have an expression that violence doesn't care what martial art you study yeah and neither does bad shit bad shit doesn't care if you're a yeah. republican or 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 a liberal bad shit doesn't care if you're 
you know, healthy or unhealthy. You just go, oh, fuck, now what are you going to do to deal with the stimulus? And, you, and, and the fear loop is something you need to navigate, and it's the first enemy before the bad yeah. guy. So I tell people, like, there are three fights. The first fight is between you and you. The second fight is between you and the, the, the threat. And then the third fight might be between you and you know your insurance company or the legal system <laughs> yeah. or internal affairs. And if you're worrying about the wrong fight at the wrong time, that takes you out of the, the logical sequences. First, yeah. I, I got to give myself permission to fight back. I got to believe in myself. I got to be creative. And the creative part comes back to the principles of three eyes. Yeah. Can I use my instincts, my intuition. intuition, my intelligence to create a new solution? And if you look at fear intelligently, fear will also suggest to you what you might need to do. Correct. And 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 then you just start looking at it, and that's how you create your plan Bs. Yeah, I love that. It's you know going down and breaking down these micro fear spikes. I, I think that it really is going to help benefit when we have those macro spear, uh, fear spikes, right? Because of the fact that without a macro, without a, a macro experience, there's, there's no micro experiences we've talked about in the past. And it kind of goes down to this, to the same topic. When we go ahead and look at the emails that you're getting from these guys who are understanding how to manage these micro fear spikes. So when they get put into a situation where the macro experience or fear spike happens, the 300 pound kid right. who's getting ready to come at the cop. And he's like, how do I take care of this? So I utilize this, the, the first C, you know, where I was able to clear it with the, the sp- well, well, what's interesting on that and not to hijack that because, because that was a question I never answered is, you know, how do you help cops? How do you help people? Yeah. Uh, and, and we've had this on the military side and on the, um, uh, uh, on the, um, law enforcement side, but this guy here just to, just to do this. Just finish it off. Yeah, just finish it off because I left it. Because it's really, when we teach people, we don't teach them. And this is the whole thing is like, oh, how do you get over a headlock? Okay, if you got a 300-pound guy who's threatening you, does this cop pull his taser and zap him right away? And then if he's 300 pounds overweight. What does that do to him? Does, does that even work? So now the guy charges him and starts to beat him with a, an overhead, uh, you know, smashing him with this, this exit sign. And now here's a small cop. The taser failed. He's in a fight with a 300-pound guy. He's going, fuck you, fuck you. Does he grab his gun and contact shoot him? And then do we have another Ferguson on our hand? Correct. Because, and Ferguson, people don't realize this, Ferguson cost that county $26 million. At the end of all the, the estimation was $26 million. Now, I've had agencies, when I tell them, hey, a private course to train with me, 17 to 20 grand for this size group with this many trainers custom for you guys and they go oh that's too expensive i go really (laughs) maybe 26 million dollars now that whole event started with a kid sucker punching a cop yeah right so listen to this so we teach if you can't control yourself maybe you can't control the bad guy clear control counter isn't an external it started off external in the 80s but then it became internal clear the fear yep clear your mind what are you afraid of here control yourself yeah. right and now body language means 60 and we teach people a, a trojan horse principle of nonviolent postures so nobody's indexing their gun you're not in an interview position you're in what we call a negotiator stance fingers are splayed outside 90 so if there's a sudden attack your airbag is already primed but the trojan horse metaphor is it looks like you're, you're trying to defuse this yep. and then there's a moment between protective and preemptive if you start to think, see things are escalated, you're already inside the reactionary gap, you can engage. Or maybe because you've got 
um, this counterintuitive body language for an interaction with a cop, maybe the violent offender goes, hey, this guy's listening to me. This person's responding to me. So listen to this fucking story, dude. Just got this. I I didn't see it last night. Uh, he goes, uh, responded to juvenile facility, blah, blah, blah. Six foot four, 300 pound, 15 year old, brandishing an exit sign that he had ripped off the wall. He immediately told me he wanted me to leave and he was going to hit me. I put up my best negotiator and tried to defuse the situation as he balled up his le- left fist and dropped his shoulder. Like many LEOs, my mind was in the D3. D3 is detective who's defend. Yep, yep. He was already in the fight. D3 and worried about the consequences of hitting a child. Fortunately for me, he started crying as I held up my negotiator stance. He surrendered his sign to the staff and went back to his unit. He goes on, I am grateful for these. This is a guy that I'm training on Zoom. Yeah. People go, oh, I don't want to learn in Zoom. I don't. <laughs> Most of the people in the world can't get access to me. Yeah. I don't teach that much anymore. I got a whole training team. And most people can't because of geography or finances can't get FaceTime. Listen to this. He goes, I'm grateful for the Zoom training and the level one. This guy actually was at a course we did for uh, cops in Indiana. Uh, he said, I, I am grateful for the training I received to make me more aware of my own internal processes yeah. and external threats. Several minutes later, still full of adrenaline, I went back to my car. You're going to love this. And watch, because Casey taught my class for me yesterday. Oh, yeah, Casey. Up here. He goes, hey, Casey. He goes, several minutes later, still full of adrenaline, I went back to my car and watched Casey teach the garage gym. The Q&A really resonated with me when the question was asked about dealing with a larger aggressor. Casey's answers were what I needed to hear as I continually replayed the scenario in my mind. I know this is one of those, this isn't one of those dashboard body cam moments, right? That's the ego. Oh, you know, I hope you don't mind me sharing this with you, but you helped me get through a stupid child confrontation. I wrote to him, this is amazing. This is my answer to him. This is amazing and important. Thanks for sharing. Many people are only trained in the D3. That's the physical aspects of confrontation management. Had this escalated quickly, this could have ended up as another Ferguson event. Great work. That's that's so powerful. Yeah, I got goosebumps right also too. I got goosebumps, man. It's, I, man, we can sit here and talk for another two hours. I know that for a fact. Right. right. I will miss my flight if I do that. Yeah. Yeah. We won't do that. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and have to say it this way, man, is what you're doing is teaching individuals how to control natural behaviors to work, work for them. So where they become their own scientist, their own martial artist, their own director, however you want to look at their dude, own magician. Dude, I look at every person as a human weapon. Yeah. And, but they've been, they've been domesticated. Right, it wasn't that long. Or ago. desensitized to their all own, of all of it, but, whatever. But domesticated in the sense that, not your audience, but most of the world, in that when when castles were built, and now hey, you're you're a you're a blacksmith. You open up a little store here. You sell silk. You, and the militia and the military was built. That's when people started getting domesticated. It wasn't that long ago that everybody knew how to hunt, mm-hmm. knew which berries were going to kill them. And I would explain to somebody that if you and I went into town with our pelts to go sell stuff and we had our black powder rifles or just our first iteration of a Winchester, like, you know, and, and some marauder came up on our property and our wife was home with the kids and they were on the deck, like in a Western with, with a rifle going, get off my land. My husband will be home soon. You know, when we watch a movie, we go, wow, she was a badass." but I guarantee that everyone was shitting their pants, including the bad guy, including now the asocial predator, they're always around. But most humans, 
don't get up in the morning and go, I hope I die a violent death today. <laughs> I hope I hope I get in a crazy car accident and, and I and I remember how to put a tourniquet on myself. Nobody thinks, thinks about those things. Like and some people do, but they're the extreme. The rest of us, the crowd in the middle, we wonder about that. If my daughter's late tonight, I don't think that that like she fell asleep at a friend's house. I think something's wrong. Yeah. And I have to catch those yeah. myself and go dude you are manufacturing a horror film that's going to produce cortisol and and maybe i mean how many people get in a bad mood when they find out that somebody's okay you fucking scared me you should have called and you <laughs> as opposed to oh my god right like you're, yeah. you're okay thank you yeah. anyways i'm going down like a rabbit hole that there's just, just a recircle that what you're saying is like from a, a from a personal defense point of view i look at self-defense as holistic what you put in your body is a type of self-defense correct you know what you eat is this type of self-defense who you talk to who you hang at is a type of self-defense and when it comes to the actual act of behaviorally physically defending yourself what i what i discovered in the 80s was there is a an instinctive response that your body knows to do that is smarter than and faster than our cognitive skills and that doesn't mean we shouldn't learn how to box. I love boxing. Yeah. It doesn't mean we shouldn't learn how to t tap somebody out or choke somebody out. I'm pretty fucking good at it, even though that's not my thing. It doesn't mean we should know how to kick. You don't want me to fucking shin kick you. Yeah. I've been doing it for fucking three decades. It's going to hurt. But what I, what I, I, I spend most of my time focusing on what my body will do in a high stress situation, situation. Yeah. so that when my primal gross motor self says, dude, your cognitive situational awareness was compromised here. If you want to get through this violent encounter, dance with me first and then move to the complex motor skill. Nice, man. Well, I mean, again, like I said, I can keep going down the rabbit hole, dude. It, it, it's been an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank again, you. this, everyone that's listening is going to take, I mean, take so much from this again guys understanding that hey we've been taught to have this external awareness in our world it's time to start kind of turning that around having more internal awareness and something i kind of came and started keying the term is you know i got taught to do external reconnaissance for so long that i never knew how to do internal reconnaissance and now i'm doing internal reconnaissance on myself to where i am trusting you know this instinct intuition and intelligence of who i am right so it's awesome to be able to sit here and have this conversation with you after knowing you for almost six plus years and you've been working and, t and I've been through your system a decade ago nice. and to be able to sit here and still do a lot of these things um, in a very positive manner. So I appreciate you, Tony. Thank you so much, brother. And we're going to go ahead and put up all your information on show notes. And, and, you know, like I said, if for the listeners, if this brought you value, please share it with your friends. Let's get this information out. Again, like I said, we're trying to bring a whole nother level to this performance podcast on uh, not just what we were before, but really bring some really hard hitting, um, powerful messages and, and conversations. So again, Tony, thank you so much. Go ahead and plug yourself if you need to. Yeah, no, man. Thank you. I am excited to be on here. You know, uh, I, I love what you guys do and just happy to get my, my message out, uh, to your audience. And, um, you know, we'll put in the show notes if, if people want to talk to me, if they got questions, I'm always there. I do all my own social media. Sweet. So, you know, if there's an answer on, if there's a question online, it's, then the answer's there. I didn't hire somebody. It's me actually spending the time trying to connect with people who've, uh, who, who who want to, you know, self-actualize, that want to get better at understanding this. So I love it. Hell yeah. I have a saying that I, it's a never be a studio gangster and Tony's one of those dudes. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> be safe. Be safe.